0: Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to All T' All Shade. Oh my god, this feels so great. It's been such a long time since I sat down to produce and record an episode for All T All Shade Podcast. And this is just this is like a breath of fresh air. I just I can't believe I took a break from doing this for so long. But we had to get our mental together. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so Today's topic, we're actually going to just be getting right into it. Today's topic is going to just be a little bit of um an informative kind of special report piece on what's going on um with the with Israel and uh Palestine. And I think that this issue is I really wanted to talk about this because I feel like there's so much misinformation Um, that kind of gets around about this particular topic, uh, much to the encouragement of the United States government in attempting to continue to support the right-wing government of Israel um, and supporting their human rights violations and everything like that. But, you know, I will be honest, when I first really got wind of the issue going on in israel palestine probably like my second year in college so we're probably talking about like 2016 2017 i was really confused like i didn't know how did this started what's the big deal like at first it just seemed like you know a big old territorial dispute which it, in some essence it kind of is um but it also has it, there's also you know a couple other elements to it as well some geopolitical um some geopolitical aspects that I didn't really get to fully understand that I, I just thought it was important to bring this information together all in one place and um, just kind of kind of present it to you all so everyone can kind of have a better understanding of how this started and you know why we are where we are today because I'm a huge proponent proponent of you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you came from and that's that's just that's just how I think that the world works. And I think that it's, it's always important to, to get a little bit of a sense of how it started. Right. So we're just going to um, we're going to go right ahead and we're just going to jump into it. So the Gaza Strip has been the central location of violence and protests since the inception of the Israeli nation state. The Gaza Strip is separated by Jerusalem, which has significant cultural and religious significance for both Arabs and Jews. To understand how this territorial brawl has evolved into the complex humanitarian crisis that it is today, we of course have to go back to the beginning. So basically, it all started in 1917 when Arthur James Balfour, who at the time was the current British foreign secretary, he wrote a letter to Lionel Walter Rothschild stating support for a, quote, national home for the Jewish people, end quote, in Palestine. At the time, the territory we currently know as Israel was predominantly inhabited by Palestinian Arabs. This declaration, known as the Balfour Declaration, demanded protections for non-existing or excuse me, demand of protection for existing non-Jewish communities by addressing that their civil and religious rights should not be overrun, but it did nothing to acknowledge political or nationhood rights for non-Jewish communities in the area. Now, once the British government gave the green light, migration of European Jews into Palestinian territory increased From 1922 to 1935, the overall Jewish population increased from 9% to nearly 27%, so it more than doubled within less than, within a little over of a 10-year period. We also have to acknowledge that the Holocaust of the 1940s had a dramatic effect on these numbers. After World War II and the fall of Nazi Germany, the United Nations General Assembly, passed a resolution calling for Palestinian territory to be evenly split between Arabs and Jews looking to settle in the region. The following year, in May of 1948, Israel declared its statehood and was supported by the United Nations. Now, here's where a little bit of the tea comes in, right? It was actually reported that during talks of splitting the territory Arab delegates actually walked out because they were not in support of this solution. Um, The day after Israel declared itself as a sovereign nation on Palestinian land, the Arab Israel war broke out. So you had Jordan, Iraq, Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, and Israel taking up arms and they fought viciously to prevent the new state of Israel from taking over what was rightfully Palestinian territory. So after the war of 48, Israel of course came out on top and effectively divided the Palestinian territory into the three major parts that we have today, the state of Israel, the Gaza Strip, and the West Bank. Leading them to have more territorial power than was even initially intended by the United Nations in the General Assembly resolution. Once the nation-state of Israel was fully established, the world watched as seven hundred thousand—let me say that again—seven hundred thousand Palestinians were displaced and ran out of their homes and businesses. Since Palestine did not have a formal military force, it was very easy for Israeli forces to overrun the will of the Palestinian people and take over as much land as they saw fit. As Palestinians grew tired of not having a say, Yasser Arafat and other wealthy friends of his created Fatah in 1959, which became the political party of Palestinians. Later, in 1964, Arafat united the Palestinian resistance by meshing the Fatah into the Palestinian Liberation Organization, otherwise known as the PLO. Then in 1967, the Six-Day War led to Israel capturing even more territory with the annexation of East Jerusalem, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, the Golan Heights, and the Sinai Peninsula. So then in 1973, Egypt and Syria responded by launching a surprise attack on Israel for what was perceived as illegal occupation of Arab territory. And I'm going to say right now, that's not just the perception. That's literally what it was like. Israel just after the six day war, they just went in and they just took whatever they felt like taking and uh, secluded the Palestinian people to a very, very small strip of land. So um, conflict finally came to an end in 1979 when the Camp David Accords, led by the United States, of course, bound Israel and Egypt in a peace treaty. Then 1987 saw the uprising of the First Intifada, uh, which began after an Israeli settler ran over Palestinians worker, re- ran over Palestinian workers, returning home from the erez Beit Hanoun checkpoint between Israel and the Gaza Strip. Four Palestinians were killed, and the region literally erupted. This resistance was mainly Palestinians boycotting Israeli products and refusing to work in Israel. There were, of course, you know, demonstrations and, you know, a few uh, instances of violence from the Palestinian side. Now, according to the Israeli government, about 250 Israelis were killed between 1987 and 1993 while over 1,000 Palestinians lost their lives in demonstrations and airstrikes. You see the inequality a little bit, right? In 1995, the Oslo Peace Accords were signed by both Israeli and Palestinian leadership. Now, this peace treaty formally set up a framework that allowed the people of Palestine to establish their own government and establish relations with the Israeli government. It also led to the Israeli government relinquishing relinquishing control of territories illegally occupied after the Six-Day War. Uprisings in the next few years made tensions high again and made peace an even more unlikely outcome. So in 2006, an Islamic political party that you've probably heard of known as Hamas won elections and helped the people of Palestine regain political control of the Gaza Strip. And the reason I say you've probably heard of them is because, of course, the United States and Israel have gone on an international press tour since declaring Hamas a terrorist organization. And then in 2013, the U.S. attempted to revive peace talks again when the Israeli government felt threatened by the potential unification of Hamas and the Fatah, which is the Palestinian ruling party that that Arafat had established. And that was actually something that eventually came to fruition in 2014. So in 2014, Hamas and the Fatah, they ended up joining forces. Then in 2015, the Palestinian president Mahmoud Abbas announced that the Palestinian people and leadership would no longer be bound by the Oslo Accords of 95 and would seek a more just way of forming peace. In 2016 the United States under the leadership of Donald Trump of course stirred things up even more by signing a ten year military aid plan with Israel, costing the United States taxpayers a whopping thirty-eight billion dollars. And it's said to be the largest deal of its kind in US history. So we've never we've never tried to garner more aid to any other country um aside from Israel than that than than this particular deal. So then, in twenty seventeen, the United States further ruffled feathers by recognizing the coveted city of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel as well as moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to the same to the city of Jerusalem in twenty eighteen Trump went ahead and endorsed Israel's continued illegal occupation of the Golan Heights, which stand which literally is in Palestinian territory. <laughs> And in return, Israel named one of the settlements after Trump. So now we're kind of going to get into what's been going on just this past year alone, right? So in 2019, Benjamin Netanyahu, the current leader of Israel, ended up staying in power, even though his term was up, when three elections, they had three elections, y'all, when three separate state elections could not produce a clear winner. So they had three elections and basically you know, the result was that, you know, it's inconclusive. We don't know what's going on. We don't know who's, we don't know who's going to stay in power. So just to be on the safe side, we're just going to go ahead and we're just going to keep the same crazy person in power that, that, that we've been had. Right. So, um, uh, later on that year, uh, later on in 2019, the there was a peace plan unveiled by the Trump administration, which essentially killed a a two state solution. And for those who don't know or aren't familiar with the two state solution is just basically like Israel gets one half, Palestine gets another half. Um, And what my hope would be in the two state solution is that the city of Jerusalem is actually um, uh, I'm hoping that it's actually it ends up being a neutral ground because there's just so much, uh, there's so much conflict and there's so much fighting. Both sides really want Jerusalem for cultural, uh, political, and religious reasons. And for that in particular, I think that it should be like Switzerland. Like it should be nonpartisan. It should be completely just free of whatever political theater and theatrics and games is going on, right? So that peace plan, it completely... Uh, It completely killed this two state solution by suggesting the complete surrender of the of whatever is remaining of Palestinian territory, whatever the Israeli government has allowed the Palestinian people to keep in exchange for aid money. So basically, like, you know, give us all your stuff. And we'll give you some money for it. This this is not, this is not colonizer-ish at all. This, this is, this is not, this is, yeah, this, this right here, this is democracy and diplomacy. This is, and I'm being sarcastic, of course, but it, it it's just, it's, it's insane. So, in just 2019 alone, just to, just, just to give you guys a kind of a picture of how the Israeli government has continued to abuse the Palestinian people, in just 2019 alone, Israel has displaced over 900 Palestinians simply by demolishing their homes, and they'll say, you know, out of pockets that like, oh, your home is too close to this fence that we built. But it's like, okay, the fence that you built is literally on Palestinian land. So of course, my home is right there because I'm a Palestinian, and this is my this is my land. This is this is our territory, and you you know, type type stuff, type stuff, right? So. They also have gone on um, to arrest journalists and Palestinians who speak out against the, the Israeli government arbitrarily, right? So you now have thousands of Palestinians who are currently being detained in Israel while hundreds are held without charges or trial. So you literally have people sitting in jail right now for no reason, literally like for no reason. And of all the, this is the thing that probably gets me the most. Of all those imprisoned in 2019, there are reported to be 182 Palestinian children being subjected to torture and mistreatment. First of all, why are you arresting children? Why are you arresting children? Second of all, why are you torturing them? Why are you, why are you using um, tactics, not even in, in some cases, the United Nations has completely, there's a whole document that the United Nations signed called, um, the United Nations, um, Charter Against torture and I can't okay I'm, I'm 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 doing this really bad but there's like a whole document literally that the United Nations like fought over delegated you know went back and forth there's a whole charter that they wrote saying that there are certain things that you cannot do and imprisoning and torturing children is being one of them that is like in the document that's supposed to be the absolute 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 last resort and even in in the cases where it's an exception it's only supposed to be for a very very short Period of time, and those kids are supposed to be released unharmed, untortured, untraumatized. Like, that's that, that's crazy. And not only that, right? Israel has continued to maintain illegal blockades and checkpoints throughout the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, effectively restricting freedom of movement of Palestinians. The blockades have impacted the ability of more than two million Palestinians to have adequate access to water fuel, electricity, and medical supplies. Palestinians are often denied medical permits to be permitted to uh, to to leave um, Palestinian territory and go into the more well-resourced state of Israel. Like these are people who are like dying of cancer, um, who are, you know, who are really in dire need of adequate medical attention. And because of the blockade, Against resources going into Palestinian territory, you now have a group of people who have been subjected to worse than third world conditions and i don 't even really like to use the term third world um, I think that 's a very like eurocentric term, but for lack of a better way to describe it, who have literally been kind of thrown back into like the stone ages while they 're living right next to land and territory where people, there's buildings coming up, there's skyscrapers, people are flourishing, people have everything they need, you know, it's BS. Um, there's over a hundred Israeli checkpoints between Palestinian territory and, and, uh, there's, sorry, excuse me, there are over a hundred Israeli checkpoints between Palestinian territory and Israel and restrictions against Palestinians preventing them from traveling on roads built for Israeli settlers. What the heck does that sound like? This literally straight up sounds like some Nazi Germany type stuff, where like, because I'm of a certain type of faith, now I can't travel on certain roads, I can't be in certain areas, I can't go to certain businesses, like, what? Isn't this whats is it? isn't, wasn't, wasn't the whole point of, the nation state of Israel being established wasn't the whole point of that to end the suffering of faith-based uh crucification and and punishment because I don't I'm starting to not really understand because it really just kind of seems like Israel started their own stuff and then they literally started having some type of you know some type of weird reverse Stockholm syndrome where they're literally now doing to other people what was done to them Not, and I'm not saying that the Israeli government is the equivalent of Nazi Germany. No, no, not at all. But what I am saying is that it's kind of interesting that while they were fleeing persecution, they have now ended up effectively persecuting and committing human rights violations against people of the opposing faith, which is exactly what was done to them. So, um... Of course, the um, the United Nations has uh, the United Nations Security Council has passed resolutions declaring Israel's annex- annexation of Palestinian territory illegal under international law. The International Criminal Court has also concluded that war crimes have been committed by the Israeli government against the people of Palestine and has launched investigations into the matter. By December twenty fifth, 2019, it was reported that at least 215 Palestinians, including 47 children, four paramedics, and two journalists, had been killed in demonstrations and during random attacks by the Israeli government. Because I forgot to mention, but because what's also been happening a lot, too, is that there'll be these random airstrikes Um, by the Israeli government, on Palestinians in their territory, people who aren't even demonstrating, who aren't at the protest. They're literally chilling in their homes. And next thing they know, like they're getting bombs dropped on them. And now they don't have anywhere to go. Now they're refugees. Um, So and it's just, you you know, thinking about it in the wake of COVID-19. It's unfortunate, because now you have a situation where the neglect of the Israeli government towards, the neglect and the cruelty of the Israeli government towards the Palestinian people has now put people, it's, it's now effectively put Palestinian people at a greater risk for catching this virus. Not only that, but you have now cut off resources. You are not allowing proper, adequate medical um, care to be to be transported to them. You're not allowing them to travel freely. Um, people with Palestinian IDs are more likely to be harassed. Um, they're more likely to be pulled over. They're more likely to be detained. They just, you know, some Palestinian people just end up going missing because they were, you know, on the wrong side of town or they were driving on the wrong road. And it's really disgusting because the Israeli government, despite the fact that the International Criminal Court has literally, you know, cited them for... uh for human rights violations, they continue to demolish these people's homes, they continue to build their illegal settlements, and then they continue to be upset with Palestinian people for fighting back, for fighting back. And of course, our government is more than okay with that. They are are more than happy to uh, aid and abet that. So when we talk about the fact that when people say, you know, we're literally funding War. We're literally funding humanitarian crisis abroad. This is a very, very good example of that. $38 billion from our own money is going to the Israeli government to continue to oppress Palestinian people and to kind of keep them out of the conversation and not give them a seat at the table. A seat at the table, mind you, over an issue of their land. You know, I just... But anyways, I, I really just, I wanted to give you guys this little background, and I'm hoping that it really helped um, in your overall understanding of how all of this started. Now, I'm not saying, you know, the Palestinian side hasn't done its own, you know, dirt, because Hamas has, in the past, kidnapped Israeli teenagers and has, you know, killed Israeli people. So to some extent... Um, it it's, it's kind of one of those things where I'm not going to say that it's both sides, but I'm going to say that um, to some extent, both sides have done something wrong to provoke the other side. And there hasn't really been any type of encouraging of diplomacy or anybody really encouraging no one's really pushing for a two-state solution anymore and i think that part of that is because i think amongst like w- within the palestinian israeli people there's just been so much violence and there's just been so much back and forth for so many years like we're talking about something that's been going on for like the last 40 50 years now right well even before that actually but in more recent times it's, it's gotten more politically um more politically serious. So, I think it's really one of those things where you do have to you have to look into the facts and you have to kind of be able to decide for yourself, you know, do I as an American taxpayer want to continue supporting the government in supporting and funding you know human rights violations abroad or am I going to do my due diligence and you know get this information and then not just vote on it, but you know support organizations and support people who are speaking out against it. like thanks to the United States, some Palestinian people are literally considered like terrorists, and it's it's really funny because of course you know Palestinians are also they're Arab too, so I just think it's I just think it's really funny. I really think it's just really funny how religion when it comes to politics can really be that much of like it could really be to your detriment like simply because you're arab um you now have you know the western world looking at you not the whole western world but it's easy for the western world to paint you in a certain type of light especially with the way that the united states has gone on to um to try to paint all muslims as terrorists and, and 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 islam is this violent you know religion When, you know, on the other hand, if we talk about Christianity and the Crusades, you know, and all the things that the Christian religion has perpetuated in order to take over and in order to be kind of like the prominent religion that it is today, you can't, it's hard to kind of, it's hard to, to not like, it's hard to not look at them sideways with your eye up, you know? But, yeah, like, I really hope that this helps, um, and I'll definitely continue to do more special reports like this just to give people background, um, so if there's a particular topic that you want me to research, look into, um, do some background check, you know what I'm saying, Then let me know because I think that this information is really important. And for all those who want to access it, I think it's important to have it in the act to have it in a way that's digestible for everybody. So thank you for joining me for this really, really special report on the Israeli-Palestinian issue. Um, I look forward to seeing your comments. I look forward to seeing y'all reactions and, you know, just stay in tune. Don't forget to follow um, All T. All Shade on Instagram at t.shade.lemonade. We're also on Facebook as well. Just uh, look up at uh, @t.shade dot lemonade on Facebook. And of course, you can always follow your girl on her personal Instagram page at Retro Nigerian um, to stay up to date. Thank you.